what we know from those that have gone before us on this motherhood journey is that they are looking back and they're saying, do not lose yourself. Do not lose that you are a person outside of motherhood. You are a person outside of your partnership. And I think that the women that have the most fulfilling lives continue to nurture that part of them for themselves. I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. One thing that Abby and I both love to learn about is relationships. So today we thought we'd share some of the things that we've been learning lately, as well as what has been working inside of our relationships and maybe what has not worked. As always, we are on a lifelong journey to learn and grow as humans and to grow inside of our relationships. I think a lot of people have this like fairy tale of what a long-term relationship looks like. And what Abby and I think that we can bring to the conversation is some honesty that it takes work. And if you have two partners that are willing to do that, I think that's where the really magical relationships can happen. So recently, I was listening to Glennon and Amanda Doyle's podcast called We Can Do Hard Things. They had a two-part series with one of my favorite teachers on the subject of relationships, Esther Perel. So if you haven't listened to that and you're interested in relationships like I am, I would highly recommend it. You know when you're listening to something and something just sticks out to you, like you are meant to hear that and you are meant to take it and run with it. I had one of those feelings in part two of this series. It was Esther and she was talking about how we really tend to see life, especially our relationships, through our own lens. And so a lot of times we're too focused on the way that we want things that we can miss out on seeing great things that our partners are showing us along the way. When that episode finished, I started to reflect on the ways that Drew shows his love for me as just this really awesome exercise that I think that we could all do even if you want to pause this podcast and just think about the way that your partner shows you love. I had shared this next story on my Instagram account, but that same night, I woke up from a really scary nightmare. And Drew was laying right next to me. He was sound asleep. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't go back to sleep. I put my hand on his shoulder and I gently pulled him towards me. And he was like, babe, what is it? And I told him I had a really scary dream. And he said, oh my gosh, what was it about? And then he extended his arm to pull me in to my favorite spot on his chest. And it was like right in that moment, I'm like, how sweet is it that he feels not annoyed with me for waking him up in the middle of the night when I'm a grown adult and I probably could have sorted the nightmare out myself. 
But that was one of those moments where I'm like, if I hadn't listened to that episode, I don't know if I would have felt the love in such a profound way that night. Like I just felt so loved by him right in that moment. And so I just continue down this road of just noticing these times where Drew, he shows up in such a supportive, steady, and loyal way. And I've started to notice it more and more because I'm looking for it. And before I was kind of just seeing the places where he was falling short on like my ideal version of what love looks like. So after I had listened to those episodes, Abby and I had a really interesting conversation about love languages that we thought we could expand on for you guys. Yeah. And as you guys know, Colin and I, we love love languages. Gary Chapman, Colin will say it time and time again. He saved our marriage early on. We were having a lot of really tricky conversations that just never went anywhere. We were falling into that screaming, getting into being really aggravated with each other. And figuring out the love languages definitely helped. For those of you who aren't familiar with the love languages, it essentially means that you make sure to show your partner love in the way that they want to receive it. So there's five different love languages, and they include giving gifts, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, and then quality time. So I'm a person who acts of service. That is my definite love language, Colin. He is more of the words of affirmation. So when Colin does something for me, when he takes something off my plate, especially in this really busy season, that's when I feel love. But what Amy and I were talking about is that there really has to be a balance. So just like in the middle of the night when Drew wasn't super annoyed and he extended his hand and he was there for you and he was able to be there for you in that moment, like that was just such an unexpected way of him reaching out. And at that same time, it felt so good. It felt so good in that moment. And I think so many times we can look at our partners and just like you said, Amy, we have the long list of things they're not doing right. But what if we rewrote that script and started jotting down if it's an actual list or even just in your mind what are the things they're doing well? Where are the ways that they're showing up? Where are the ways that they're honoring me as a person, our relationship, our family? Like, where are those places? And when we can think about those things over and over again, I mean, first of all, it brings a smile to my face just thinking about it. Like, that makes me instantly happier. And the resentment and the little things that they're doing wrong, it just doesn't seem as big. When I think about what Colin does and like what he does really well, a lot of them do surround the words of affirmation. And it makes a lot of sense because that's how he likes to get love. And he does it in a really good way when he's giving words of affirmation. So the birthday cards I get you guys, like they are extravagant. <laughs> the kids get involved. There's a huge uproar with everything. I love birthdays, first of all. And I love just handmade cards that take a ton of time. And he never drops the ball on that piece of it. He's also really good at the little text message out of the blue. Um, maybe it's just saying that he loves me. Maybe it's saying something kind about me. And it just comes so unexpected that when it pops into my inbox, it just it leaves me with that smile. And I also love how Colin, he and I have to work on this so much, but he will always greet me first with a kiss and a hello. He'll give me a, a little compliment before heading back to the task that he was doing. So he makes that intentional stop, that pause to come to me and to greet me. And when I think about this part of it, I'm like, I need to do that more. Like, I need to do that more instead of just hurrying on with my day and making sure that dinner is on the table. Those intentional little moments are what Colin is so good at. And we've talked about how easy it can be in the busy seasons of parenthood to really focus on what our parents aren't doing. We'll bring it up in this episode. You know, the thing that they forgot, the socks that were left where they shouldn't be, 
the change of plans that happen for the 10th time that month. Those are the things that we talk about, but we also don't want to miss the good in all of this. Yeah. And what I noticed from this, and I only listened to this episode like a week ago, you really can start to notice a lot more good when you're looking for it. Same thing is when you're always looking for the bad, you notice a lot of bad. So it's like having this shift in your relationship and in your mind of like, okay, what do I want to be the focus? Do I want it to be on the good or do I want it to be on the bad? And so for me, it was like I was seeing kind things everywhere when I started to redefine what that was. And so Abby and I both know, like we've been in the throes of parenting with our partners. I think that can be a really challenging season because we're so overwhelmed. I think it is just a season where you really do focus on where your partner's falling short. I have totally been there. And so this is just a call today to see if we can start to also honor where they are really showing up. Okay, friends, we have a brand new sponsor, and that's Huzzah. It's a refreshing seltzer, but it has added benefits. So it's made with probiotics for gut health, and living your best life has never tasted so good. So Huzzah is refreshing. It's flavorful. Every single flavor has only three grams of sugar or less. And so Huzzah really helps put the explanation point in the end of your day. I just have loved drinking these. We have them stocked full in our fridge right now. And there's so many different flavors that you can choose from. And everything is more fun when you feel your best. So that's why Huzzah adds probiotics to their seltzer to really help support your gut health. And feeling good on the inside helps you to live vibrantly on the outside. Yeah, I've really enjoyed how it just makes me more regular. And I know that's weird to say, but it's just, it's nice to just feel like you have something that's really supporting you and your gut. The great thing about Huzzah is that all the flavors taste so good. They are delicious. My favorite is strawberry and hibiscus, although raspberry and lemon would be a very close second. And I know Abby is loving the juicy pear. So you really can't go wrong. And I hope that you guys try this delicious drink. You can get ready to fill your own fridge by stocking up on Huzzah Probiotic Seltzer by using the code HERSELF for 20% off your order at drinkhuzzah.com. That's code HERSELF for 20% off at drinkhuzzah.com. So Amy and I also just took one of the Gottman Institute's course. It's called Loving Out Loud. And from their research, they really remind us that we have to take the time to appreciate our partner. We actually have to make space for this in our day. We can take the things that they do for granted, or we can make sure that we're seeing what they are doing and saying how much we appreciate them, actually saying out loud that we thank them, that we appreciate them, and that we notice these things. And in fact, it's a big difference between couples that are just getting by and couples that are happy, is that happy couples notice those positive things. Notice and comment on. So that's just a huge, small thing that you could start doing right away. And it can be really small things. Even the everyday roles, it's like, thanks so much for dropping the kids off at daycare. Just those little things that you can bring in. And if both of you can bring that in, That's really where things can start to feel a lot better. During this course, they also talked about love maps and how they defined love maps is that you really get to know your partner. You know them so well and you understand 
what makes them tick, what makes them feel loved, like you understand them so that you can be the best partner that you can be. One of the points that really resonated with both Abby and I is that you have to update those love maps continuously. I know that Drew and I can start to fall into the same conversations over and over again, and I'm sure so many of you can relate. I say every day, how was work? How did the boys do at drop-off? What are we having for dinner? It's so easy to fall into these patterns, especially when we're in a busy season. It's kind of like you're checking something off the box. You're saying, how is work? And while you're simultaneously helping a kid through a tantrum and trying to help with dinner, we really fall into these same talking points. But the thing for me that I've been realizing is that I don't think that our life is going to slow down anytime soon. It's the season of having these young kids, having careers. This is not going to slow down. So I've got to find a way to connect on a deeper level than what we're having for dinner with Drew. And so that has been something that I really intentionally want to bring into our marriage and our partnership. So the Gottmans during that course, which is unfortunately not sponsored, gave some really great talking points. And I wanted to bring some of those to you guys because I know sometimes we're giving these ideas, but if you don't have those tangible examples, it might be hard to implement. So they said questions like, what were the most difficult moments of your childhood? What are your career goals? What would you like to change about your life in the next five years? What is the thing that stresses you out the most right now? Who are your two closest friends? What are your favorite hobbies? I know that I'm still learning new things about Drew, and it helps me understand him so much better. One time, I think I've shared this once before, but one time we were talking about our house and Drew really likes things a certain way. Like as you guys all know, he's very type A. It's hard for me to deal with as a person that is not type A about our house. But one time he explained to me that when he was growing up, they had a really messy house. They were really busy on the farm and there just was not any extra time to have the farmhouse be really clean. And so he promised himself, he was like, I am never going to have my house in a condition where I'm embarrassed to have people over. He swore that to himself when he was an adolescent, you know? And so like when we connected over that story, it really softened my heart to his analness <laughs> because I was like, I could understand that better. Like, so some of these things, it's like, it really gives you an opportunity to understand your partner at a deeper level, and it can really help you guys. There's always a why behind some of the fights you have. And sometimes when we understand that why, like another example, they might have been disciplined different than you were as a kid, but you guys never ever talked about that. So you can't understand why they think that that's the way that they should discipline. Meanwhile, they have a whole backstory about it. But if we never get into these conversations that are deeper than that surface level. How was your day at work? 
we're never going to get there and we're never going to understand them at the deep level that it takes to make a long-term relationship work. I know that you and Colin just had a similar experience with going a little bit deeper on something that you guys were working through. Yeah. And it all goes back to there being a story behind the story. Like usually the story that's out loud with Legos on the ground, like that's not what's tripping people up. It's what's behind that. So having Drew be able to tell the story of his childhood, it just makes so much more sense. And Colin and I, we have been having some deeper conversations lately. Part of it was because we didn't have cable hooked up for a while. So it was like an immediate, <laughs> an immediate, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're going to have a glass of wine and actually have some conversations. But it's also just with the move, we are changing up things. Like we are changing our routine. We are trying to be more intentional. And I hadn't realized how stressful our move was for Colin until we actually had these conversations. And for those of you who don't know, we just relocated from Cottage Grove to Wanakee. So now we're closer to the office. We're closer to Amy and her family. Um, We're closer to Owen's therapy appointments. But with that, a lot of our life has also changed. And I could really sense that Colin was more frustrated. He was definitely more impatient, but I couldn't tell why. And I really couldn't tell where it was coming from until we talked more and we got deeper than just the surface level of, hey, is it work? Is it the kids? Like, what's going on? And you guys, our house right now, it's in shambles. Right when we first moved, it was an absolute tornado. And when I asked Colin how he was feeling, he mentioned several hard emotions. So it was more than just the, how was your day? It's like, no, how are you? Like, how are you really? And one of the emotions that he brought up was this feeling of being unsettled. And Darby Saxby, she has some really great research on how a messy house equals a messy mind. And Colin, he is definitely in that category right now. And where it hasn't really affected him very much in the past, so I didn't think much of it, I know now that the frustration and the impatience, it's coming from just feeling so unsettled in our house right now. Like our life is definitely out of sorts. And coming home for him right now, it's a reminder of all of this. So when he's traveling for work or when he's out and about, when he's with friends, he's not reminded of how unsettling everything is. But as soon as he walks in that door that's when all the emotions come flooding back in. And unfortunately, that's when the kids and I are seeing these emotions. So what I'm getting of Colin is this frazzled, impatient state right now, which isn't how he is usually. It's just definitely is when he's at home. And we know that a home, it's supposed to be a safe place. And I can see how uncomfortable it would be if that unsettled feeling is the number one emotion that comes up when he comes home, when anybody comes home. So where he was having this feeling, it was definitely showing up as frustration. It was showing up as irritation. It was showing up as more snapping, being impatient with me, being impatient with the kids. But having that conversation at a deeper level, it really sparked a solution. So we're trying to figure out, like, how can we find more time for each of us to be our own people? How can we find time to get our workouts in? How can we time to be outside of the house while our house finally gets to be put back into gear? And how can we get our house to actually be put together? So working with our designer, working with ourselves to put things away in boxes, to get things put away because that unsettling feeling, yeah, we don't want it to stay along. We want to take a quick break to bring up one of the other programs that we are ambassadors for, and that's Homer. So Amy and I, we both have kindergartners who are using Homer, and then our three-year-olds and four-year-olds are using them as well. Homer's great because for any age, two to eight, it adds on to the learning and it makes it really fun. You can use it right from your phone and there are games and books to read. There are numbers and ways to learn your letters. 
And what's great about it is that you can start with a 30-day free trial and then it's cheap after that. I think it's only $45 or $50 for the entire year. And it's been something that both of our families have definitely been using. It came so highly recommended by so many teachers in this community. So you know, rest assured, that you have the teacher's stamp of approval when you are using Homer. Love it. So if you guys want to give it a try, we're going to include the link in the show notes below. Again, that will give you a 30-day free trial. And if you don't like it, then stop using it. But if you're like the Kiefer's or the Greens, you're definitely going to be using it. And we can't wait to see what you guys think. Maybe your examples are different from ours, but what I heard when we were both talking about our examples is that we were really looking at things from our own lenses. So when I look at our house, Drew and I's home, I grew up in a really messy house too. So to me, my lens is like, this isn't bad. Like we're doing great. Like This is, it's not bad at all. Whereas Drew's lens looks completely different. Abby was really excited about the move. It feels like a rebirth. It feels like a refresh. She was able to get rid of things she didn't want anymore. Like she has been really excited and she didn't notice, oh my gosh, my partner is having a hard time with this because we're excited. I'm excited. We're excited. Right. Yeah. Well, I see opportunity right now. Like I see like, what should we do with this gallery wall? And he's like, just put the darn pictures up. Yeah. So it's like just having the ability to sometimes be like, okay, this might not be my partner's lens. And how do I check in on them? I think the questions that we mentioned above are just going to help you guys get so much deeper with your partner so that you two really start to understand each other. And no matter what your role is right now, whether you're a working mom, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, I love that question of where do you see yourself in five years or what would you like to change about your life? Because you know what happens when you ask them the question, they ask it back. And that's not the point, but it's a really great way for you guys to connect. And so I kind of wanted to end the conversation with the focus back on the women listening and ourselves. So one thing that Abby and I have learned from Eve Rotsky, who's going to be on our podcast really, really soon, is that we have to feel worthy of our own time. And she thinks that every woman should have something that she calls unicorn space. And the definition of that would be like something that makes you feel alive and happy. I know my friend Kate Borsato is like, what do you do that makes time feel like it just flies by? Something has to exist for just you. And what I have realized when I'm leading these communities of busy women, a lot of which have multiple kids, is that when you ask her what her hobbies are, she has a really hard time answering. But what we know from those that have gone before us on this motherhood journey is that they are looking back and they're saying, do not lose yourself. Do not lose that you are a person outside of motherhood. You are a person outside of your partnership. And I think that the women that have the most fulfilling lives continue to nurture that part of them for themselves. But what I also know is that when you're connecting with your partner and they're asking you these questions back, like if you guys are going down your life path together and the only thing that you're able to talk about is your kids and your partner and you have got nothing aside from that, I think that's when the partnership can have struggles. 
partners need us to be the best version of ourselves for that partnership to go well. Like we can't put everything that we are into being a partner or to being a mom. So this is just the little plug at the end of like, I hope that you walked away with something today. And that thing might be, okay, my first step is I've got to figure out what I enjoy again before I can worry about this partnership. Like a lot of partnership is self-work and we don't think about that, but we have to say, Amy, what makes you happy? What makes you excited? What do you enjoy? Yeah. When you bring that person to the partnership, the partnership for both of you it feels yes, so much yes. better. It's exactly, Colin has come on and said it multiple times. It's like when Abby found a greater purpose in what she was doing, she like came back alive in the relationship. So take a page out of today's conversation. Are you going to work on yourself a little bit? Maybe it's asking those more inviting, deeper questions with your partner. Maybe it's finding something you guys keep stubbing your toes on and it's a course or a podcast you can listen to or even just a simple exercise that you can do together. But focusing on yourself, focusing on your relationship, these are things that Amy and I are continuing to work on in our own relationships as we strive just to be a little bit better than we were yesterday. 